here on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram as well. This week, we're going to be covering conversion. This one, this is one of my big topic areas for me, one that I like uh, the most. And uh, I'm really interested in any ideas you've got or any questions you've got around the science uh, of converting. Uh, I really enjoy that kind of nuanced part of the topic. And um, it's very much the area I work in at the moment and help people with. So I'm keen on the, on this particular topic. Um, any further questions beyond that, so ask me anything style ones, you can of course jump in and do it. And thank you to those who have submitted questions over the weekend on Instagram and Facebook as well. Really appreciate you doing that. And um, just checking in with uh, the work needed behind the scenes whilst I'm uh, speaking right now. If you're watching live at this moment, do pop into the comments below where you're watching from and put in hashtag team live. If you're watching now or hashtag team replay shout out to all of you watching or rather listening even on the podcast as well uh, uh awesome reviews coming through on that and i again really really appreciate it so um i want to shout out also before we get into the questions um the amazing restream thank you for sponsoring and partnering with me uh on start a business q a and i love that uh you're you're you know getting behind the work we do every single week with this um Let's get into questions right away. But before I do, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I can't quite see if we're live on, um, on, check. yeah, I can't just see if we're live on LinkedIn. I'm guessing we are. <laughs> I think, uh, I think we are. Yeah, it looks like we are, no problem. So um, let's jump in. First question from uh, Lee Lam has asked, how do you recommend a premium offering? premium offering over a more cost-effective one without sounding like you're upselling. Here's the very point. The very point is this, that a lot of people feel a bit like it's going to be down to price. And in truth, if you have two propositions that are almost identical and one's a slightly more inflated version at a higher price point, that question may well cross the mind of those who are like, you know, potentially going to be buying. You tend to find if you've got quite diverse products, this is easier. But the solution is actually, if you, if you work your way back from this, why would someone spend more money on something rather than less? Well, because it's better. <clears throat> what makes something better? That's subjective. And it's subjective because some people think an expensive you know, um, smartphone is worth it. Other people can't get their head around why someone would do it. Some people would rather spend their last penny on a, a flashy car and others just see it as a vehicle to move around in. So you've got to think to yourself, why would someone actually bother buying something? And what it's drilled down to, Lee, is you buy something based on if there's real value for you. If there is real value, then it makes a lot of sense to uh, to buy it. So it's your, your job as the expert here to say, do you know what? This is the thing that is best suited for you. When you make it clear that a particular product is best fit for a particular person, 
then it makes no sense for them to buy something else, right? And with that in mind, that's what makes people say, well, then it makes sense to buy that one. So when I have the two separately, I just have no, no problem typically with someone buying the more expensive option because it's a best fit. So what I'm doing here is I'm not trying to find some special or clever way of delivering a price or, or, or an upsell based product in a way in which uh, it pulls the wool over their eyes. I know you're not asking for that. What I do instead is focus on well, what is it they really need. And the truth is sometimes I offer the, the lower price point product because it's actually what they need. And if it's what they need, then it makes far more sense to offer them that because people are more likely to buy in the future if you give them what they want and you give them a great result and then they convert to something um, you know, bigger potentially in the future. So what I'm doing here is this explaining how I'm focusing on need and best fit. What I'm not doing is focusing on, on if price point will be an issue. Firstly, the lead should be fairly well qualified anyway, but I do feel that also, um, you know, you, you need to be going through a decent conversation with someone, you know, that this should be taking place over a proper Zoom call. Uh, it really makes a big difference if you do that properly. Um, can I just ask those who are watching on um, Facebook, uh, if you or those watching on LinkedIn, let me know if you're able to see the live chat. I wonder if we're even live today on, in, on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook seems to be working absolutely fine, but for some reason we're not. I don't know if we are on LinkedIn, but never mind. If we're not, then we're not, and we don't do it on LinkedIn today. That's so weird. What did I do wrong? <laughs> I'd set it all up right, but never mind. So um, let's hop into the next question. Good though, Lee. And you can see why I'm slightly distracted because uh, LinkedIn wasn't firing, but never mind. Justin Lee, what are your top three questions to help clients make the right decision to work with you? Really good, really good question. And I'm all about rotating the table by, by 180 degrees. I do not, and I hope the same for all of you, do not want to be in a conversation where the, some, where the person who may buy is saying to me, go on then, Richard, why should I buy from you? I've got your money here. Why should I listen to you? Why should I buy, buy to, from you? The answer is, is, not, is, is, is that I, I shouldn't be trying to sell someone in this kind of pitchy way. It should be far better an approach for, for me to warm someone up. And I, I just don't get why people aren't, aren't using the content-based approach when it's far superior to warm someone prior to a call. What that allows me to do is sit, create a situation, there's a lot of steps to it, but essentially is create a situation where I have the, the person themselves feeling great about potentially being on a phone call with me. Then I, rather than me trying to persuade them that I'm worth trusting, because prior to the call I've established trust, otherwise they don't get on a call with me and I wouldn't organize the call anyway, it allows me to ask very decent questions that position me well as the consultant or the expert that knows what's best. So really, one of the first questions I ask, and often I ask this before I even get on the call with them, is why do you feel I can help you? And what that question has to presuppose or rely on is that they already feel I can help them. If I have not got a prospect on a phone call with me willing to answer that question, I shouldn't be on a phone call with them. In 2021, I should be on a phone call only with people who are like, 
I want to be on a call with you because I saw the, you know, the great content you're putting out there. I saw that you're sharing good ideas. You appear to be someone who knows what they're talking about. And I do not buy for a second that it takes months and years to build that kind of reputation as utter rubbish because within a month or so of putting consistent content out, that's that you bother to put any effort into. So native, original commentary of your own that doesn't say, hey, there's this thing we sell, it's here's what I do. There's no reason why wouldn't people wouldn't be showing up and paying attention to that kind of content. And if they do, that's where you start com the conversations and that's where you make your natural organic pivot into a, a place where they're keen to then speak to you uh, on a call. So the question is, you know, is, is where, why do you think I can help you? And they will say, I just feel like you know what you're doing. You know, the, the, the inquiries I get are ones where people say, you seem to be the expert at your thing. So it makes sense to speak to you and see if you could help me. Not, oh, I'm shopping around, you came up in Google. I want someone who's warmed already. Other questions I would ask things like, a really good idea is to ask, what do you feel the problem is? Because it's always important to look at the, try and get the perspective or worldview of the prospect themselves. So how do they see this issue? Don't just prescribe without getting their two cents first, because if you don't get that point of view, you're potentially missing a gold mine of really valuable, valuable information. And that allows you to then ask other questions like, you know, um, what have you tried? You know, how have you tried to fix this? And another a really good question I would add uh, to that, Justin, is, you know, why do you feel that this hasn't worked so far. You know, why, why is the thing you've tried not being effective in your opinion? Because what it allows you to do is see where they're coming from. And often it's not that they're not doing the right thing. They may be trying the right thing, but, but there might be a nuance or thing or a step within it that, that they're not, not getting right. And that allows you to pinpoint it really easily. In turn, that allows me to say, well, look, it's clear this is your problem. That's what I help with. Here's what you're going to need. Back to that question from Lee Lamb. Therefore, this is the pro this is the product you'll, you'll you'll require. And if it's a higher price point, it's the higher price point one. It's the one that's most applicable. Um, you know, I spoke to someone recently who um, was interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is my premium proposition. But I said, actually, you don't need that. You need my accelerator program because a lot of the stuff you you need you've actually already got you you, don't, you just need it tuned uh and that's what the accelerator group will do so much more questions around getting them to step forward um that helps them make the right decision to work with me because retrospectively i can then show them that there is a solution based around a proposition i have but it starts with a very important persuasion technique which is getting them to articulate out loud why they would buy from you because when someone says out loud the reasons why you know they feel you're great or they feel that you could help them, they are listening when they're doing that to the most persuasive voice that they that exists, which is their own. We believe and listen to ourselves more than anyone else. If it's not a voice we say out loud, it's one in our minds. So as long as we get that person to put down on paper, type in a message or email or say out loud, why they feel you could help them they have to go through a process up here of deciding why is it that richard could help me i think he's good at this i really see him in this light 
and they're going to say that out loud and that is tremendously persuasive because it makes them feel that you're right for them okay uh, i saw uh, just a shout out raf you're watching on instagram thank you for following is the video frozen hopefully could you let me know if it's not frozen now hopefully it's all right it seems to be fine at my end uh signal is good and all all the rest of that uh it looks like we didn't have linkedin today unless it's decided to catch up i don't know it hasn't never mind we're on uh facebook though as well uh daniel nunez has said on facebook can you discuss your distribution over content post yes so this comes from a, a statement I've made, which is, well, it's not, actually, it's not mine. I'm not claiming this at all, but it's really important. Uh, Selena Davis, thank you on Instagram, saying it's not frozen, marvellous. Um, it's really important to understand that it's not content that matters more than anything. It's the distribution of the content. Sure, before anyone jumps in, quality matters. It's more about... But, but it's more about the distribution. It really does. It does. It is really crucial. So the saying, which I really subscribe to, is con if content is 10%, then distribution is 90%. There's too many people out there who try a content-based approach to their platforms, and it's all day long focused on building the content. All day long, polishing and editing and making everything perfect for this one post that's going to exist, relatively speaking, in just a moment in time. It is a huge error, huge error to put such a disproportionately large amount of time into a piece of content that, for instance, on LinkedIn will typically last 24 hours at best. Not always, but usually. So the moment that post is completed, you then got something else to do. And unless you're one of those lifestyle or luxury Instagram um, uh, accounts that has an immense following and you are paid an immense amount of money in turn to post that perfect image of you, you know, sunbathing in a completely contrived setting in Thailand, then actually your posts, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be so utterly perfect. It has to be great. It has to really stimulate and get people interested. Then beyond then, it's really about the distribution. So whatever time you spend on the post, make sure you're getting into the community. Make sure you're getting into those that bother to comment. But more importantly, when you post, make sure you're, you know, getting it out there and saying, you know, hitting people up who are relevant to it, who might have an opinion and saying, you know, hey, Daniel, I know this is something you're interested in. Um, I know the audience. Don't say, could you comment on it, please? That's a bit too much of an ask. But a nice way of doing it is simply saying, I know the audience would really appreciate your opinion. Would you mind sharing it for them, please? And what you're doing there, instead of saying, do us a favor, mate, and write on my post, instead what you're saying is, you know, I'm gonna lift you up, you're an amazing person. I think it makes a lot, more, a, a lot of sense for you to be seen as an expert here, and I know it's relevant, would you mind? And then they're doing it for the audience rather than for you, and it's much more realistic that you'll get a response that way. So that's that's what I'd say is best. Things like that, do that six or seven times and get some real meaningful comments going. Far, far better uh, way of doing it. But always focus on... Um, Brian Direct could see you watching Miami. Not in, never mind, didn't work this week. Uh, that's just how it is sometimes. Well, not even ever, but I must have uh, not done a setting correctly. So 
never mind. Um, uh, looking at uh, Joe Jelani, top of the year to you, Richard. Amazing to see you uh, on here on Instagram. Thank you for watching all the way from New York City. Desperate to get over there. Absolutely desperate to get over there um, in the uh, in the near future. But uh, at the moment, our children in the UK aren't even going to school. Our lockdown is such that we are allowed to only leave the house in emergencies. So we're allowed out for exercise. Uh, we can go and get food, obviously, or medicine. Other than that, I hope everyone here is doing it because it matters. Other than that, that's it. And that's, a, that's what a lockdown should be like when we need to really push ourselves to do that to the best we can to look after the hospitals. That's why we're doing it. And um, so, yeah, so going to New York is couldn't be further from realistic right now, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but but there we are. I'm uh, just checking everything is good here. It looks like I am. What is going on, LinkedIn? I must have done something wrong. Never mind. It's all going to I have to post it afterwards. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Uh, still, um, thank you uh, for that question as well. Uh, Laura Bernhardt on Instagram asked, on average, how many touch points with someone before a lead? Uh, then how many touch points before a purchase? Very hard question to answer, and the reason why is it depends on what you're selling. Um, low ticket and medium premium uh, ticket products, you can sell that reasonably quickly. In terms of touch points, you've got to, you've got to understand what those touch points are, because it's not, if you do a content-based play like me, for instance, the touch points between me and a prospect, you know, interacting in, you know, uh, multiple times, are actually so low, they are in the, certainly in the single digits and typically three to five points of, of um, contact at the most, far, far more than, uh, uh, um, uh, far less than what most people would think uh, before we get onto a phone call because content does the warming. Content is the gravity that attracts the people. Those that stick are the ones that find it valuable. Those that find it valuable stick around and the act of spending time consistently um, observing, consuming, spectating someone you find interesting is the best way for someone to naturally and organically um, uh, build some familiarity. That familiarity is the seed from which trust develops. Okay, so we trust the familiar, we distrust the unknown. It is how you're hardwired, whether you like it or not. So when you give the people people the opportunity to become familiar with you, which requires consistency and frequency, not mad frequency, just being on the radar a few times a week with a piece of content literally everyone has time for uh, that, you know, to produce that, then what happens is that person becomes familiar. I then find, and usually it's one, maybe two messages that get, get us to the um, get us to the phone call, and then the phone call is the deal. There's no mucking about with proposals because it is a simple enough process. I'm selling consulting, or more usually at the moment, it's the LinkedIn client accelerating. People are like, yep, yeah, fine, no, this is great, this is exactly what I'm after, and they, they simply convert pretty much because they've decided to be, uh, uh, they're, they're interested to begin with. A far more complex proposition requires, requires more touch points because there's a process to go through, but bear in mind that the number of touch points really does relate not to the size of the proposition. It can, to a degree, represent the complexity of the proposition, but certainly it represents the need to have 
trust. It's massive. I've done thousands of deals over the years. And without question, the thing that stands out is if you get trust from someone, they want to buy from you. They're not just receptive. They're keen to, you know, it's like they're looking for ways for this to work out. So that's what I would say. And it depends on what you're selling. So maybe uh, DM me again, Laura, with something that uh, more specific in terms of what you're trying to sell. There's a lot of cute things like it takes seven touch points on average or you need 12 points of contact. The problem with that stuff is that it comes from someone who sold something and then you've got this whole mass of people who sell different things adhering to it. And often, and I've seen this, you have people having too many touch points. They're getting in touch with someone too many times because there's this absurd science that are trying to apply to it of, well, I must be in touch with them this number of times when the person they're trying to speak to or sell to is possibly sold enough that they could actually pivot to a deal. So this is the thing to bear in mind. Deal with what's in front of you. Like, how are they feeling if they if they are trusting you, which is obvious because they start complimenting you or sharing more detail, then there's a lot of logic in you making the pivot then. And it doesn't have to take long, especially if you deploy content, like, again, struggling hard to see the logic in not using the content play when the distribution um, of your commentary around your ecosystem uh, is so strong and it allow and for free and it allows you to gently warm people to that point of familiarity where trust the the keenness to lean in uh, and and a level of receptivity that you can really work with is developed. So it makes a lot of sense to to, to think along those lines. Great question, thank you for that, Laura. Good to see you, James Perry. Thank you very much for jumping in on, on Facebook. Uh, Omo, good to see you here from Luxembourg as well. Uh, Ginny Lemarie is watching uh, from Hertfordshire. Happy New Year to you as well. Daniel, of course, from from dis from um, from Phoenix, in fact. Uh, and I said uh, Brian Direct from Miami too. Daniel, I think you asked a question. In fact, no, you didn't. I thought you may have. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought you had. Uh, CT Culp has asked, "What's the most underrated marketing tactic most people overlook?" Uh, there's loads, man. There's loads. One one that jumps to mind is um, is connection and observation. So any of you who are on social platforms, you are you are in the process of connecting and trying to um, uh, uh, kind of get something more than just adding a connection so your number looks big and actually get something meaningful. Connection observation is a technique really simple where what you do is you before you connect with someone, you bother to look at their profile. We don't want to create a scenario where the person we're reaching out to feels in any way like I'm trying to um, just game them or sell them or pitch to them, right? So I want to show that there's a reason why that person in particular was of interest. If it feels like I'm just adding to my network, well, that doesn't make me feel very special. And for those that have reasonably large networks, it's kind of boring. It's like, oh, great, I want to, you want me to be in your network, so what's the point here? So it's far better to show there's a level of curiosity. After all, this is a person, and if you ever hope to get something from the relationship, well, you're the one that's meant to put out first because you approach them. So connection on observation is that you send a connection note or friend request or whatever with a message that shows that you've done an observation. And the observation is on their profile. There is free public information on their profile, whatever the platform, 
that shows what they do. So comment on it. And what you're doing is you're saying, essentially, this is the reason why I found you interesting. You know, and you're, you're basically saying, um, you know, CT, I, I, I saw that you did this thing. So or I saw you did talk or I saw the press release from your business. I found that interesting. I saw you used to work at Rolls Royce. That's really fascinating. Whatever it might be, do the observation because it shows you bothered. And it's stunningly effective. And the reason why you, you might think this is too simple to be effective, but the reason why it works is actually because the majority of people can't be bothered. And so you look you look unique by just being human in a world where most people are looking at volume. They're just hitting as many as they can. And this isn't a cynical view. This is just fact. What most people can't be bothered to do is individually go through each profile and find a reason why someone wants to uh, why, why, why you should connect with someone. So because there's all of the um, generic templated uh, messages with connection requests, if any, then when you bother to show you've actually paid attention and write something specific about them, it makes a big difference. So Daniel, who's here on now on Instagram, if I said to you something like, hey, Daniel, I saw you in Phoenix. I was there three months ago. Uh, I wasn't, but if I was, I was there three months ago and I hung out at this uh, this restaurant. Um, I loved it there. How are you? You know, this is far more compelling and human than someone who's like, hi, I'd like to add you to my network. So it really does stand out when you think along those lines. It just makes a lot of sense to um, connect in that way to people. Uh, CT, really good question. The connection observation is a really good technique. Um, it's old school because, it, oh, well, it's underrated because people don't think it, it, it's it's necessary when they've got such volume. If you've got over 700 million people on LinkedIn, for instance, why bother? Why bother doing research when I can just spam 50 people a day and a couple will step forward anyway? Well, the reason why is because you get better buy-in and more fulfilling conversations than the ones when you're more generic. It works. Um, it's a really good question. Uh, let's hop into Patricia Freudenberg's question. Any recommendations on follow-ups without being salesy? I think I made up a word, but I hope you get the point of view. You didn't, actually, but I, I know it is a weird word. But it is. Uh, but everyone's saying it a lot these days. It's really crucial. Really crucial about sales. Uh, about, 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 you know, not being salesy. The, the situation is this. You've spoken to someone, you've gotten really well, you've made the offer and perhaps they need to think about it for some reason and then you go, they call you cold and they're ghosting you. And the worst thing in the world for someone is not worse. One of the hard things about being a salesperson is when you don't know what's going on the other side. And silence and time where nothing happens is a fearful thing to encounter because you are like, well, what happened? What is it? Why are they ignoring me? Uh, and of course, it may well be that they're busy or forgot or something came up. It may not be, you know, it may be something completely noble. Um, however, we want to find out what's going on. So the solution, I mean, you can just nudge, you can just ask um, if you have the relationship. So if you get on really well with this person, it, you can, you've, you've earned the right to just ask outright. So, so hey, Daniel, or rather, hey, hey, Patricia, because you asked the question. Hey, Patricia, um, uh, just follow up on, on our call yesterday. What do you think? Do you want to go ahead? But if you don't feel you've got that tight relationship, there's nothing wrong with trying a different tackle together. What is it you need to do? You need to get on someone's radar. If you're on their radar, they'll remember, of course, that there was that proposition in play because often you've fallen off the radar. So what you do is you go in with some novelty. 
So what we don't, the reason why I dissuade people from going in just with the just chasing up uh, angle is because it they, they typically know you're chasing and it seems a bit desperate if you do it wrong. Um, so it's far better to simply say, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to approach something completely different. So going with some novelty instead, ask something completely different. Ask about something wholly different. Again, like if someone bothers to write a piece of content or something like that, or if they are, you know, if they've done anything online, or if you want to make a comment about something that's happened in their business or their part of the world or something like that, hey, I just saw this thing happened. Are you okay? I heard about it, or you know, does it affect you at all? As if it's something completely different. And what you tend to get is that person says, oh my god, thank thank you so much for getting in touch. Yeah, we're all good here. By the way, I didn't get back to you, and then we're back. And so if you're a little nervous about it or you don't think you've got the relationship to do a on the nose kind of nudge in the line on the long lines of just chasing directly, we'll try novelty. Novelty reworks. It gets you on their radar. So many times I've used this and like that, you know, we share a joke or something like that. Um, I did it actually uh, recently with someone who um, is really big in this space and has is interested in me being on their podcast. Completely forgot about it. And just to try the technique. Um, I spoke to him about NFL because he supports, what is it, the Chicago Bears, I think it is. So I mentioned that and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, we like talking about that kind of thing. And then, of course, I'm on the radar and it's like, oh, by the way, we, talk, we were talking about the podcast, weren't we? And then, and then we're off. So it's just something fun to do. It's way more, it's just good because it makes it, it shows you're interested in something a bit deeper than the moment where you get your deal. So that's why I would suggest, it doesn't have to be too difficult, but it's a good way to do it. Uh, I hope that helps, which is a really good question as well. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> De Bears said uh, Daniel on Instagram. I know nothing about NFL other than the ball's shaped the same as a rugby ball-ish, but the rules are quite different. We watched the Super Bowl last year, which is kind of cool, but that's it. Um, but look, thank you so much, everyone, for watching. I'm going to call it, call it short today because there's been so much going on, um, uh, and it's the start of the year. It's just a lot of kind of catching up to do. Plus... I have two jobs now because I, my, my wonderful lawyer wife is organizing uh, homeschooling and I need to do my shifts as well. So thanks so much for everyone for watching a shorter one this week. Any questions you want to fire over in the comments, do so. And I'll try and get to those later, too. Uh, and I'll see you later. Instagram and also uh, Facebook, but not LinkedIn this week. Uh, I'll catch you soon.